0: hello my fellow reminders what? welcome to another episode of old school saturday this is the be kind rewind throwback show today we are looking at the episode on the african lion where icky and i break down what was going on in the real life adventure episode hope you enjoy I am all- Born on a
1: mountaintop in Tennessee Green estate in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett
0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney movie podcast. I am, of course, Dan Teets. And back in the studio with me, after a couple of weeks off, is the main man, Ichabod Bones.
1: What's up, party people?
0: Glad to be back. It feels like forever since we've done a podcast. Well, hey, sometimes people have to work and then there's holidays in there, so I figured I'd give you... The time off for the holiday to spend it with your family, which is what you're yeah. supposed to do. And holidays
1: are a busy time where I work, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So it's been hectic at the workplace.
0: Yeah, well, we are, we are definitely glad to get back together, even if we are going to be reviewing another nature documentary. <laughs> Love it. Let's do it. All right. Well, tonight's nature documentary is The African Lion which I don't know why they call it The African Lion, but we can actually get into that when we actually start talking about the movie proper. Yeah. It was released September the 14th of 1955, so we are almost through the middle of the 50s, hard to believe, and this movie made $2.1 million, which is the equivalent of $20.4 million today. So, I mean, there's not a theater out there that wouldn't love to have a $20 million movie right now. Am I right? Yeah, true, and You're maybe right. and maybe Wonder Woman will make that on Christmas Day. We shall sure. see. All right. Well, once again, with this being a um, Disney live adventure, true life adventure is what they're actually calling it. I had not watched it prior to watching it for the podcast, and you probably didn't even know that it, that it existed, did you?
1: Not this specific movie. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more some of the interesting point in history that we're at regarding this film and this series that it's a part of. But this movie, specifically, no, I had not
0: seen it. So, the movie starts with this true-life adventure was three years in the making. It is an authentic record of actual happenings. The story is nature's own. The actions of our creatures entirely spontaneous. Then, as all the Disney true-life adventures do, it moves to a painter painting a picture of the dark continent, Africa. The scene then shifts to the central part of Africa before zooming in on Mount Kilimanjaro, which is where we are to find the lion. But, before we explore the lion, we meet a lot of its prey, such as the wildebeest or gnu, as well as the beast, the zebra, which happens to be the most alert of all animals. Then we see the waterbuck, and the sable antelope, and then the kudu. We're then told that the antelope and the dick dick are barely worth the lion's time, as well as the giraffe antelope, because they're merely nothing more than um, bite-sized appetite. But the impala and the eland are not. They're actually some of the lion's um, most fierce things that it actually goes after and tries to eat. It says it's also said that when the lion is not is merely wandering, its prey lets it become, lets it come surprisingly close. And then we get introduced to the hyena, which is introduced as the dog of Africa. And we then see the African buffalo and the warthog, and all of their defenses are pointed out. After which we meet the carrion of Africa, which is the vulture and the jackal. Next we see the giraffe and the rhino. And we are then told that the lion is nothing more than an overgrown cat, and is one of the largest animals around. It's explained that the cubs follow their grown counterparts by nursing at any mother. Lions almost never pounce from above, so when they climb, it is for the view. And the male lion is described as another helpless, good-for-nothing male animal. (laughs) Huh. Okay. But that changes when an outsider approaches as the lionesses surround and attack any lion that's not from their pride but when we see an elephant approach the lions retreat now a lion or uh, i'm sorry an elephant can weigh between six and eight pounds yeah that's a little itty bitty elephant excuse me six to eight tons and can live for 80 to 100 years and its trunk can actually siphon up to two quarts With each um, suction. Now after we see the um, elephant. We meet the hippopotamus. Who is told to be related to the pig. And has the second biggest mouth in the animal kingdom to the whale. We are told that the lily trotter eats parasites off of the hippo. And that's the type of bird that you normally see around the hippo. And then it's also said that the hippo can stay underwater for minutes at a time. And can close its ears and nose and before we actually get back to the lion we see the baboons living in the rocks but they have to come to the grassland and when they do they travel in packs of 50 to 100 so that way they can keep an eye out for the leopard who is referred to as a tiger and then we actually see the ostrich which is probably my favorite bird of all time just because of it's um, known for sticking its head in the sand and it's told that the ostrich can grow up to seven feet tall, have broods of up to 20, which is pretty big, and can run up to 40 miles per hour. And after we meet the ostrich, we meet several other types of birds, such as the greater bustard, the crowned crane, the secretary bird, and the corsair, and certain things are told about each of them. And then we actually go back to hunting, and we see a leopard, who climbs up into a tree, and then before we actually see the leopard attack, we see a newborn wildebeest calf. Who it is said is expected to be able to walk and run shortly after birth, and the leopard will actually capitalize on the, on this fact to pick out his dinner, as he will grab a young wildebeest and drag it and drag it into a tree so it doesn't have to share its. Um, dinner breakfast lunch whatever time it eats with the carrion of africa which as we have said is the jackal or the vulture and next we see the cheetah which it's said that they can run up to 80 miles an hour and she uses her speed to hunt down a gazelle and then we go back to the lion again and we are told that the lioness is the hunter of the pride and for most times, they use, their, they use a circling method to surround their prey, causing the animals not to know which way to run before being brought down by one of them that, that they weren't expecting. But the prey that the lionesses are actually after doesn't go very far, and pretty soon they have to go out and search again for their next meal. Now, during a drought which is common in Africa, water is short and it can lead to the death of such things as a two-ton rhino who actually gets stuck in the mud that had been created from the very little water that had been left behind. So, the drought leads to dust devils, dust devils lead to windstorms, and with the windstorms the animals are forced to leave to find water. And this is where we meet the locusts to descend on the grasslands and actually leave everything barren. But, as with most nature movies, the circle of life is reborn with the tropical storms that reset everything to start over. And this is how the movie ends. Alright, so, what were your takeaways from this one? You said you had something about history on this one? Yeah, well,
1: first I just want to say I think the the film came to a full circle at the end, kind of tying everything together where it went through and reviewed all the different animals that they showed and how the African lion was kind of the overarching theme that held everything together and how their existence and how their hunting was kind of the apex of the the circle of life, as you will, to bring it all back to Disney uh, (laughs) full circle. I think that's why it's called the African lion because all the other life cycles and ecosystems depended on the lion, and how they did their hunting and every they're saying that everything else kind of hung on them. So maybe that's kind of why they called it the African lion. But you mentioned the release date of this in September, 1995. What's interesting about this is this movie came out just about two months after Disneyland opened. They opened on July 17th, 1955. And before Disneyland was an actual place before it was a park, Disneyland was a TV show, like a weekly TV show. Like when I was growing up, they had The Wonderful World of Disney with Michael Eisner. We'd watch that every whatever it was Saturday night. Well, back then, there was a TV show called Disneyland. That was the show. And it had various different segments. And the different segments were the different areas of the park. They had a, an Adventureland segment, a Tomorrowland segment, you know, a, a, what, what am I missing here? Tomorrowland, Adventureland, Frontierland, and, you know, all the different sections of the park were different segments of the show and they would have little shows like the frontier land would run Davy crockett and you know maybe the tomorrow land would run like a tron or some kind of space space theme thing like that and the whole point was to hype up the eventual opening of disneyland Mm -hmm. and so when we get to this movie this series is called part of the true life adventure series well eventually or when disneyland first opened adventure land was called true life adventure land based off of this the True Life Adventure series, and eventually this got shortened to just Adventureland. True Life Adventureland was too too long, too cumbersome, whatever. So this series is kind of like supposed to be representative of Adventureland, where you would find rides like Jungle Cruise, where you'd find rides like Pirates of the Caribbean, which this movie and the movie we're going to talk about next week reminds me a lot of jungle cruise and pirates of the caribbean but i'm getting ahead of myself (laughs) the key is that we're getting right into the thick of when disneyland opened and so the movies i feel are going to really closely parallel and kind of play off of each other the movie will advertise a park the park will advertise a movie and it's where the disney marketing machine was first born i believe and truly starts to blossom and you see a lot of that in this movie a lot of scenes that look like they could come right out of the jungle cruise like they could have actually been filmed at the Jungle Cruise, or modeled after it, so it's it's really been interesting point in history where we're actually seeing Disneyland exists, and so the movies are going to very closely, you know, bounce back and forth between the parks and, and the movies.
0: Okay, yeah, it looks like, and I'm actually pulling up the uh, Disneyland park for the Adventureland itself, and it had well. At the start of it all, it had the Magnolia Park, which I have no clue what that was. Obviously, that was just a place to probably walk through and look at the pretty birdies and things like that. (laughs) I don't know, yeah. And that was the only original, or that was the only um, thing that was actually in there at the opening, with the exception of the Tropical Cantina, which I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's where the tiki birds were. Or was that somewhere else?
1: <laughs> Maybe eventually. I mean, uh, the Tiki Room is, I believe, in Adventureland. Yeah, you come in. Well, at least it is in Walt Disney World. I'm not, I've am not. i been at Disneyland for a long time, so I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. I think it all kind of ties in. I know that uh, Walt wanted to rush. Well, the park wasn't fully ready to be open on opening day, and the Imagineers wanted to kind of hold off on the opening of the park until everything was ready. And Walt said, no, we told the public we're going to open on this day. We're opening on this day get it together and get it done. So they worked 24 hours around the clock, and they did what they could and just kind of covered up the rest of the stuff and said, you know, coming later, look forward to later. So maybe that particular land didn't have a lot done, but they were hoping to get it done in the
0: future. But as far as other attractions that were actually in Adventureland going forward, there is a Swiss Family Treehouse which we know that's a Disney movie even though it isn't Disney proper for the ones that we have covered. And then that was in 1962, so we got a few years until that actually. And here is one that is definitely not politically correct nowadays. The Big Game Safari Shooting Gallery. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we also had Aladdin's Oasis, which had a dinner show and then it was just shortened to Aladdin's Oasis. And so that was what was actually in the park up until 2008. And I know we will pro- we'll probably come back and, like you said, since all of this is starting to weave into interworkings of Disneyland itself and later on Disney World. Because I want to say there was a, well, yeah, the, I actually remember watching The Wonderful World of Disney growing up too. Except I yeah. somehow I don't remember Michael Asner. Somehow mine was actually Walt. Old Uncle Walt.
1: Yeah, I mean the old ones. But when when the show came back on, like in the in the late '80s, early '90s, maybe when Michael Eisner started hosting it.
0: But yeah, we will we'll we'll probably come back and reference this as we start looking at the different movies that were released around the time of the opening of the of the Disneyland, the Disneyland,
1: the Disneyland,
0: not to be confused with a Disneyland. Yeah. Well seeing as how we mentioned the big game hunting safari which is definitely not what we were not what i was expecting to read in an in adventureland there was some killing in this movie because it actually took place i think over a 3 year time span they said which was yeah not what i was cuz i don't think it actually said on any of the other true life adventures how long the actual filming was but you could tell that it was probably more or less a year but there was a i mean we had a lioness killing a gazelle and we had a cheetah killing a gazelle poor gazelles they just kept getting killed yeah
1: they're like the amoeba of the serengeti right
0: yeah something like but yeah i was and i didn't pick up on the tail end how everything got tied in together it was when, when you see a film that actually is called The African Lion, you're like, okay, well, that's fine. We're going to be seeing Mufasa and Simba <laughs> and Nala and, and all that, and it's going to be an hour and a half of how they actually survive. And I don't think with the exception of yeah. the actual... When they first started the movie, you didn't even see The Lion until like a halfway or longer into the movie. Yeah. So... I wasn't, I would, and like I said, I didn't hear where they tied everything, or I heard it, but I didn't make a note of it to, to figure out why they actually called it the African lion instead of like the African savanna or something like that. Because the other true life adventures were the dying prairie, the living desert, and things like that. I mean, this, this was definitely a It was another entertaining movie. It wasn't quite as jocular, so to speak, as the other one. Or I didn't think so. Because it was more of a, well, we're going to show you the life cycle and everything that goes on with it. And, I mean, there was some things that I actually did laugh at. Unfortunately, I didn't write any of them down. But I do know there was a couple of points where I actually laughed at some things. Like the, oh, with with the elephants. Elephants having trouble getting out of the, um the mud pit that they had actually made.
1: Oh yeah, trying to climb their way out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could I could see from a current perspective why this would be something that Disney would still want to go back out and cover cuz how many of these animals are actually on the endangered species? You have the you definitely have the African um, elephant. Not actually sure if there are any others, but the African elephant I think got its own Disney Nature documentary sometime when they started doing those every year on Earth Day, didn't he? Listen to me.
1: I think some of those gazelle-like animals are endangered, like the uh, kudu and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think they're low in numbers.
0: Yeah, and I was I was actually I was impressed that I actually recognized a few of the animals before it before they actually told what their name was i was like that's a and then they named it like 30 seconds later i'm like okay good i do know some of my animals even though i've never been outside of the u.s with the exception of canada and (laughs) Mexico. but yeah i had actually stated that before we explore the lion we meet some of its prey oh well we're still looking at the prey Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So, this was a this was another circle of life movie.
1: Pretty much. And it seems like it went through one year. It started right after the rains and ended right after the rains, it seems like. Yeah. But... I don't know why they took 3 years to film it.
0: Unless they were trying to make sure that they had enough B-roll to be able to make up a hour and a half documentary cuz this was what this was about an hour and 15, hour and 20, wasn't it? Yeah. Which during this time that's that's the normal feature length of a film unless you're Making Casablanca or, yeah, or Titanic or something, Avatar (laughs) three, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this was this was a pretty pretty straightforward movie. There wasn't there wasn't many tricks to be had. I mean, you knew that Lion was going to end up getting, killing some kind of an animal, even though they waited until eight nights through the movie to actually have that happen. I would have thought they would have had the. Um, lionesses going out randomly and just picking off a little baby wildebeest or something. Just to, yeah, really. Just to keep you watching. But no, nah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about this one other than it was a nature documentary that made you think about what's going on over there, and especially yeah. with the with all the problems in the third world, it was actually surprising that they didn't have people actually walking through, because I'm sure I'm sure that where they filmed it, there was African tribes or something like that, or did they just not want to get that in to play on their plight? Was this supposed to be just a nature document?
1: Yeah, I was wondering about that,
0: but it seems like they're way out in the vast open plains, maybe there weren't any tribes around, I don't know. Well, I mean, there wasn't really any tribes around, and the gods must be crazy. And that was... <laughs> Wasn't that in Africa?
1: It must have been.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, do you have anything to actually to add other than what we've covered before we just move on to how this movie needs to be remade next week to make Disney some money? <laughs> I think the fact
1: that, like you said, the movie is called The African Lion and it focuses on the lion, I think they went out of their way to tell the audience that the lion is not the king of the jungle, as we all think he is. They were very quick to point out that the the woman, the female lioness, rules the roost, and they're in charge, and they do the hunting, and they even get to push the lion out of the shade if he's where they want to be. They will move him out of the way, and even the African elephant, when they come through, the lions will scurry and run away. So the lion is not the supreme Mufasa leader like we all think he is. Yeah, he's prominent, but there are at least two things that will make an African lion run away. A lioness and an elephant.
0: And you get an angry lioness chasing an elephant. Yes. And yes. you just have For a snickety. whole another problem. Yes. Okay. Well, um, today's impact of the movie. Of course, I mean, this is a Disney film. Or else we wouldn't be covering it on the Disney movie podcast. Yeah. And it's obvious that Walt Disney... Well... It wasn't really Walt Disney, was it? It was Michael Eisner in the 90s, wasn't it? Who did what? Who did The Lion King. Yeah. So I think... 93,
1: that, 94, something like that.
0: That he actually might have recalled watching this when he was growing up and said we need a movie about the king of the jungle, as you, so to speak. Yeah. And then it was actually remade two years ago as a live action by the Iron Man, John yeah. Favreau.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> Yeah.
0: So we see that the lion has impact in today's society, and for the most part, I don't, I mean, if you were to ask me what's in a zoo, one of the first five animals that I would probably think of would be a lion. After, of course, your monkeys and your elephants, and really wouldn't be able to think about anything else other than, let's go to the lion exhibit and... Yeah, zebras like those, and giraffes, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, the the fact that they're brought in as one of the main animals that everybody thinks about, that definitely has an impact on the society. Now, with this being a nature documentary, it's not really reflected in culture because you don't see lions roaming downtown Kissimmee.
1: <laughs> right. But again, it, remember, this is part of the True Life Adventure series, which is... Inspired all of Adventureland and specifically the Jungle Cruise, which opened on July 7, 1955. So it was there from the very beginning or close to the beginning of when mm-hmm. Disneyland opened. And it was based directly on the True Life Adventure series. So you see some things like we saw the, the hippo and the elephants, which are, you know, you see the hippos and elephants and you see gators and all these things in the Jungle Cruise. You don't see really baboons or zebras so much, but definitely there was some inspiration going on there for the Jungle Cruise in this movie.
0: Mm hmm. And in the actual animal kingdom, isn't there still a safari ride that you go through that has some animatronics mixed in with actual live lions and tig- well, even tigers in Africa, lions and giraffes and things like that that are all in their own separate enclosed enclosures, so you don't have to worry about the lion walking over into the zebra. Enclosure, and you catch a lion just munching on a zebra in the middle of a <laughs> trip. But right, they have white rhinos that walk right up to your car, and they're all real. There are no
1: animatronics there. You've got to realize when when Walt first opened Disneyland, he intended for the animals in the Jungle Cruise to be real live animals. But the Imagineer said, "We just can't do that. We don't have enough room to feed them and to cage them and mm-hmm. to house them, and it's just it's not feasible." So he had to settle for. Animatronics in Disneyland, but in Disney World, the Animal Kingdom, yeah, that Safari is bigger than the entire Magic Kingdom. Just a Safari is bigger than the entire Magic Kingdom, hmm. and the Magic Kingdom is bigger than all of Disneyland property all put together. So it's it's huge, it's massive, and they're all real animals, and they they are they're separated in a separate areas, but you can't see it. There are no fences or anything, but they have natural barriers, rock formations, or tree lines, or Things like that. So the animals are separated, but to you, as a guest, it doesn't look like it. It looks like they can all just roam amongst each other, but they they can't. Hmm. But, yeah, those are all real animals there.
0: I couldn't remember because I, well, I mean, we're talking probably 10, 12 years ago was the last time that I actually rode the safari. Yeah. So I couldn't, and, I mean, it's a a thing of misremembering the Jungle Cruise and mixing (laughs) it up with the actual. Yeah, that's probably what it is, yeah. Of course, with them doing a Jungle Cruise starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, yeah, will they be putting him in there like they did Captain Duck Sparrow in the Pirates huh. of the Caribbean?
1: Interesting. Possible. Whenever they do another revamp of the ride, they might. Mm-hmm. If the movie catches on and has a popularity. I mean, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie just skyrocketed in popularity, and they, they retrofitted or, yeah, the other ride to reflect the franchise but then you got movies like you know the haunted mansion with eddie murphy which was one of the worst movies ever and the what tower of terror movie with steve gutenberg which was equally terrible now so. are
0: those well i i know i know how bad the haunted mansion movie was because i actually sat through that once
1: yeah. and
0: unfortunately for those of you who are still with <laughs> us when we get to the 80s we are the 90s we will be covering that movie So please, send all of your hate mail now, (laughs) because we are giving you 35 years' worth of advance notice. (laughs) Get ready. But I didn't even know there was a um, Tower of Terror movie. It's that forgettable. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense then. So that'll be another one that we'll be covering right after we probably cover Three Men and a Baby or something like that, because I think that's actually a Disney movie, too. (sighs) At this
1: point, it probably is part of their intellectual property
0: as the as the intellectual property continues to grow and expand and will soon be the worldwide leader. It will, if it's not already, yeah. <laughs> okay, so is there anything else that shows that this is mirrored in culture before we move on to the final question for this one? I don't think so. Well, how does this movie fit into today's society? Once again, we've got two different versions of The Lion which brings to mind the fact that lions are what everyone thinks of as the king of the jungle even yeah. though he's not actually in a jungle he's in a savanna with droughts and things like that but you don't talk about that during the actual lion king because that would really depress people <laughs> um i can't really think of I, I can't think of anything else that would actually fit in i mean other th- yeah. other than of course the the disney rides that we've talked yeah well We are going to go ahead and tie a nice little Christmas bow on this, put this under the tree. And we will be back next week. Until then, we'd like to thank you for listening. Please rate us, review us, let us know what you think about us on iTunes, because that's the only way that people will know that we are actually out there. Because with more reviews comes more viewers and listeners and with more listeners comes possibly better shows of course i don't know how much better you can get than talking about the haunted mansion during a movie review of the african lion but i digress sure as Kilimanjaro rises like olympus above the serengeti i have no clue what you're talking about was that actually in the movie no (laughs) okay blind from africa by toto oh Well, with that, we are going to say good night, say good morning, say good afternoon. Please send us emails because we do want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about these real life adventures. Our email address, as always, is bekindrewinddmp at gmail.com. And that DMP, of course, stands for Disney Movie Podcast. And until we talk to you again, stay safe stay hungry, and stay out of the lion enclosure. (laughs) Yep. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. It's going to be a lot of editing. Yeah. Well, that'll be fine. I'll be able to piece it all together and make it a three-minute music video.